cool to hear stories where you, you can get reminded, get a picture of what God is up to and who God is. And I'm going to tell you, I want a Bria in every, every time I preach, I want her in the front row, just, <laughs> just nodding. This is the most active listening I've ever seen from a sixth grader in my life. And that's all her. And it's so cool. I mean, Lizzie leaned over to me in the middle of that video. She goes, this is a public school in our city. And the way that God has uh, opened doors for partnership and the way that we've seen uh, our church be a good neighbor to the schools in our neighborhood, the way that we've seen families be changed by God and grow in their relationship with God, the way that we've seen lives literally changed and transformed. We're heading one way and God literally transformed and changed their lives. I mean, there's just two words as you heard us say over and over again, only God. And if you're anything like me, I'm moved in moments like this, but I'm quick to forget. I'm moved in moments like this, and, and I see it, and I get a glimpse of God, and I go, yes, I, yes, yes. And then life comes in, and circumstances take over, and I forget. I'm a forgetful person, and maybe you are too. And so I need to be reminded regularly of God's goodness and his greatness in my life. I need to be, kind of have my attention drawn to it and say, no, God is faithful and there has yet to be a day in your life where he has not been faithful to you. Now, you may not have been aware of it, but he has always been faithful. And so when I get moments like this where I'm reminded of that, I want to respond. I want to do something about that. And so what we're gonna do in this next point in our gathering is to have a chance to respond to just stop for a second and be reminded as you hear those stories. And if you were to stop and think of your own story, you'd probably say, you know what? I, I have, there's enough stuff in my life where I can say, only God, only God, only God. And so we want to respond to God by giving back to him. And when we kind of make the shift in our life and our perspective that our stuff isn't ours, but it's a gift from God, that the things we have in our life actually come from the hand of a generous and loving God, when we make that kind of fundamental soul level shift, something wells up in us that might not well up otherwise. It's gratitude. It's generosity. It's joy. And so as part of our worship every week, we respond by giving back to God. We receive an offering here that's just a, a portion, a part of our worship in response to God. But we do it every week because it's important to be reminded it's important to respond. Many folks in our church give online and do that faithfully, and that's how Jeannie and I give, and you can sign up today on the website to do that. That's, that's easy and helpful if that's you, but we'll always have this be a part of our worship experience because it's a reminder and it's a response to God. The gifts that you give in response to God do two things. One, they extend the work of everything we just saw in that video. They kind of propel what God is doing uh, in and through this church. And so that kind of happens. God sort of exponentially grows the gifts that we give. But then something else happens, and it happens deep in your soul, it happens inside of you, is God lovingly loosens the grip of your stuff on your life. And you begin to become more aware. It's amazing. Gratitude begets gratitude. When you give to God out of a grateful heart, it grows gratitude in your heart, and you find yourself giving more generously and more joyfully to God. Your heart grows as ministry grows as you give. So it's a beautiful thing. That's why we do it. And so I'm going to pray for us in a moment. We're going to receive our offering and encourage you to respond to God however he's leading you. And then we're going to open up the Bible together and explore a, a really practical principle that all of us can put into place to become better at celebrating God.
So let me pray for us and then we'll, we'll give and get into the teaching for today. God, thank you for who you are. Thank you for, first of all, who you are, God. And then on top of that, thank you for what you do, what you've done, what you are doing, what you will do. Thanks for the glimpses that we just got in that video. Thank you for the stories uh, that are untold, the stories that we don't even know yet, God, of how you are being faithful in our lives. Will you help us remember right now, God, Will you help us respond? So God, we love you and choose to give back to you in this moment. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. 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 Well, we are going to receive our offering as we dive into God's word this morning. And, and moments like this are so important, aren't they? In fact, I, I want you to actually look around. Look around this room and, and look at the faces and the people that, that God has assembled and what he is, is doing here in our midst. And we, we need moments like this, don't we? We need moments that, that we can mark and remember because we need to be reminded of the moments that most matter, don't we? And th that's why we celebrate birthdays and that's why we celebrate anniversaries because those are moments that matter in our story. Something special happens, something meaningful, something that matters. And, and what we want to do this morning is we want to look at a moment the moments of this church and this story, because they matter. That's why we say all the time around here, our moments lead to movement, because the moments that we gather together, they matter, and our prayer is that they will lead to deeper movement in our lives. And so today, we are going to unapologetically celebrate God, <laughs> if that's all right with you. And I think it's really important, if you are coming here this morning, or if you're listening to this, and you're kind of trying to figure out the God thing and where he fits in, in your life and all that. This is a fantastic morning and weekend for you to be joining us. We want you to get this glimpse of what God is up to in our church. It's really important that you see a church that learns and knows to celebrate well. Uh, Robert Hodgkins says this, and tell me if you found this to be true or not, uh, as you've experienced people who'd call themselves Christians. He says this, he says Christians, those who call themselves followers of Jesus, ought to be celebrating constantly. Mm. Christians ought to be celebrating constantly. We ought to be preoccupied with parties and banquets and feasts and merriment. It reminds me of like the Renaissance fair. We ought to be just be <laughs> banquets and feasts and merriment. We ought to give ourselves over to veritable Mardi Gras of gratitude because we've been liberated from the fear of life and the fear of death. Listen to this. We ought to attract people to Jesus quite literally by the fun there is in following him. Now, how many Christians have you met with that kind of perspective? See, sadly, the perception that Christians have in our culture, which they've earned, is they tend to crash our culture's parties and then rain on their parade. When you think of partying, the last people you tend to think of partying with are Christians, probably. <laughs> and yet that's not, the, okay, those of you who laugh nervously have been to parties before. <laughs> or no Christians, or no Christians, right. That's not what God intended at all. That's not actually the life that God invited us into. Christians ought to be preoccupied with celebrating God and marking moments in their life where they've seen only God move. We've been liberated from the fear and anxiety of life and from the fear and desolation of death. Mm -hmm. We ought to be celebrating 
constantly. And that's what this time is. It's a chance for us to celebrate God. It's a chance for us to celebrate God. Jesus said in John 10, 10, that he has come to give us life to the fullest, to the fullest. That means life that is full of joy, life that is full of hope, life that is full of celebration, a life that is not defined by or confined by our circumstances, but chooses celebration as our secret weapon in the cynical world. See, those of us who would call ourselves followers of Jesus, you have a secret weapon in this world. It's the gift and the discipline of celebration, Mm -hmm. where you can look at your circumstances and say, boy, this is not what I would have thought. This is not what I even want, but I can still stop and celebrate a God who is good or a God who is faithful, or at the very least, a God who has moved in the past, and I will wait for him to move again. Celebration is the Mm -hmm. secret weapon of people of faith. And celebration is actually a powerful tool for your spiritual growth. Mm Celebration is a really powerful and often overlooked tool for your spiritual growth, to be reminded of the good things that God has done, to be reminded of your growth is incredibly important. It's a powerful and yet simple strategy that you can incorporate in your spiritual growth. How do I mark and celebrate the goodness of God and the growth in my life? Because the more I see that, the more I actually want that. Mm. Here's something that's really interesting about human nature. True of you, no matter where you're at, sort of on the whole faith journey thing. This is just true of people in general. We replicate, we replicate what we celebrate. We replicate what we celebrate. Mm-hmm. Just think about that for a second. We replicate, we emulate what we celebrate. The things that are celebrated are the things that stir up in us and define kind of a new normal for us. We live into the things that are lifted up for us. Yeah. You think about that. Those of you who are parents... You can yell at your kids all day long, and and maybe you have had one of those days before. But you know that what's so much more powerful is when you praise and encourage when you find them doing the right things. Mm -hmm. True? Maybe you grew up in that kind of home. Maybe you didn't. You know that when something is celebrated, it becomes replicated. Mm -hmm. Oh, oh, that's that's worth doing. I want to step into that. I want to live into that. Listen, okay, if you don't have kids, maybe you have a dog. Anyone here have a dog? Had a dog at any point in their life? Ever had to train that dog? Now, you can yell at that dog all you want and shame that dog all you want. But you know that a great training tool is celebrating the good things they do. Good boy. Good girl. You talk to them in that voice. When you find them not chewing your shoes, good boy. Good girl. And you celebrate them. All right? This, is, this, this works. We know this. We replicate what's celebrated. So those of you that have dogs, you know the training process. The more and more you can celebrate good behavior, the more and more it becomes normal. For those of you who have cats... You just celebrate the day your cat doesn't hate you. That's really, it's just, that's a good day if they acknowledge your existence in the world. Good coaches know this. You ever had a good coach that prayed and encouraged and called out? There's time for discipline and correction, but you rose to the challenge of an encouragement given by an authority in your life. Good teachers know this. Good bosses know this. Great marriages are built on this. We replicate what we celebrate. It's important for us to stop and to celebrate because it marks for us sort of a new normal. And that's why it's so important for us in our faith, in our journey with God, in our spiritual growth. It's important to stop and mark, hey, this is a good thing. This is a good thing that God has done. Or I'm a different person. I've 
changed. I've been transformed and changed by God. And the more you mark those things and celebrate those things, guess what? The more those become new normals for your life. And the more you grow. Hmm. See, God knows this about you and me. He knows that we are forgetful people, that we will forget to celebrate God, that we'll, we'll forget. I mean, listen, he knows about us. Our founding fathers know this about us. We have a day every year where they stop and say to remind you, you need to thank someone for something. It's even in the name, thanksgiving, right? We have to stop and be reminded to be grateful. God already knew this about you. In fact, the Old Testament is filled with celebrations and festivals and ceremonies all along every single calendar year that the people of God would be reminded just about every month or so, reminded of a new thing to celebrate God or to come to God for or to mark where God had moved on their behalf. Jesus knows this about you. That's why he instituted this sacrament that we celebrate every month here at Soul City Church called communion. He said, look, you're going to forget the significance of this, so I'm going to give you bread and wine to remember. These things help you. I'm going to mark a moment. I'm going to give you these things to help you remember. Baptism, which we celebrate here at Soul City Church. We love celebrating stories of transformation, what transformation looks like in public. What is baptism? It is a marked moment where we say, I am going to acknowledge and I'm going to make known that God has actually moved in my life, that things are not the same, that he has changed me. So there are all kinds of different things that God has given us to help us remember. And then throughout the Bible, there are moments that matter that someone says, we need to mark this. So maybe it wasn't something instituted by God, but instituted by people to say, hey, we need to stop and remember that God is good and God is faithful because we're going to forget if we don't. And so I want to show you one of those stories. We're going to look at and explore one of those stories this morning. And out of it is going to come a very practical thing, a very practical response that we're all going to experience together and that you can take back into your life, into your home, into your relationships to make celebration a more regular discipline in your life. So if you would please grab a Bible and open to Joshua chapter 4. Joshua chapter 4, pretty far to the left in the Bible. If you don't own a Bible, there's a blue Bible in your seat back or underneath your seat. You can turn to page 148 in the blue Bible. Let me give you some kind of quick word on this Bible and the quick context about Joshua chapter 4. Uh, if you are serious about understanding who God is and having a relationship with him and what that looks like and you don't own a Bible yet, we think this is a pretty important step in the process. We think this is transformational truth that has stood the test of time and still changes lives and still draws people to God. And so if you don't own a Bible but are serious about following God, we would ask you to steal a Bible from church today. Please steal a Bible from church today because it's important for you to have this as a tool in your spiritual growth. So let me take you to Joshua chapter 4. Uh, quick context. This is after the life of Moses. Okay, so Moses has led God's people out of Egypt. I'm sure you've all read this story, or, or at least you've seen the cartoon. And so Moses has led the people out of Egypt, and this is the leader that comes after Moses. This is the leader that comes after Moses, Joshua. And he is leading people into the promised land. And they have to get through this one city that was against the people of God, Jericho. But to get to Jericho, they actually had to cross the Jordan River. Now, this is a moment because they had seen not too long ago, Joshua was there when God parted the Red Sea for Moses to walk across. When God had made a way for them to walk across. And so here is Joshua Again, standing at the banks of a river. And the text tells us in Joshua 3 that it was actually the time of year where the river was at flood level. And so archaeologists have kind of gone back and have studied the river currently as it stands today. And that time of year, typically the river is about a mile wide and up to 150 feet deep. It's a pretty substantial river 
to cross, but they know that God is leading them, but God has to provide the next step for them. And so God does what he has done for them before. He literally, miraculously, stops the river. He literally stops the river at a point where it was just kind of just far enough upstream that all the thousands and thousands and thousands of people could walk across on dry ground to get to the other side. So this incredible moment is happening. You just have to stop and and imagine that, that God literally stops nature, the thing that he created and instituted. He kind of puts a break on the river and says, you're going to hold there. And you're walking by a wall of water. And you like fish are swimming through. Like if it was Chicago, there'd be cars and bodies and all kinds of things in the water. And so, and so you're walking through and going, this is unbelievable. This is an incredible moment. But Joshua knows something about himself, about those people, and about you and me. This powerful moment is going to get washed away in the context of our memories. It's going to be forgotten, lost. And so Joshua says, let's mark this moment. Let's mark this moment. That's Joshua chapter 4. Verse 4, let's read together. Joshua called together the 12 men that he had appointed leaders from the Israelites, one from each tribe. And he said to them, look, go over before in front of the ark of the Lord your God in the middle of the Jordan, the middle of this river that God had held back for them. And he says, each of you, all 12 of you, is to take up a stone on your shoulder. So you kind of get a grasp of how big of a stone we're talking about here. Take a a stone up on your shoulder, according to the number of each of the tribes of the Israelites. And this is why, to serve as a sign among you. Now look at Joshua's understanding of the human condition and his understanding of who God is. He says, in the future, in the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? You see what he's doing there. He says, one day you're going to forget. People are going to forget. God stopped a river. He stopped a sea. He's provided us all. Remember the 10 plagues? God's done amazing things. And guess what you're going to do? you're going to forget. And so he says, build this altar, these stones, because one day your kids are going to walk by and say, what do these stones mean? Verse seven, tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. And when it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. And these stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel for how long? Forever. For as long as you and I are forgetful people, forever. These will stand as a memorial. Jump down to verse 9. Joshua set up the 12 stones that had been in the middle of the Jordan from the deepest point. Took those stones, put them right in the spot where the priests had carried over the ark and where they had stood. And look at that last verse. And they are there to this day. Isn't that cool? That Joshua had this vision that he knew a truth about you and about me that we will forget, that we need to be reminded and we need to respond to only God moments in our life, that we need to learn the discipline of stopping and celebrating God because it does something to change our soul and it gives new context to our circumstances. So often we sort of wait for our circumstances to be the indicator of our celebration. Joshua says, no, God has done a mighty thing here, but this thing is going to be done and you are going to forget. Mm. And so let this stand as a reminder to you Mm. that God is faithful and he's always moving and he's always good. And you will need to know this and your kids will ask and you are going to have a story to tell, an only God story Mm. 
to tell. And what I love about that story of Joshua is that Joshua looked around and he, he saw some stones and he said, okay, I, I can use these. We, we can use these stones and these can be used to mark God's faithfulness. And this is one of the most practical things that we can do to remember and to remind ourselves of how only God is at work in our lives. Now, my friends and our, our team around here, they make fun of me often because my office is filled with little trinkets to remind me of God's faithfulness. In fact, this morning I grabbed a few of them. Uh, this is in my office. It's a hammer. My name is on it. And this hammer is from the day that we launched this church. It says November 7th, 2010. And I keep this hammer in my office as a reminder to me how God was at work in using a community of people to build his church. You know, this space didn't always look like this. When we were given this space and, and when God blessed us with the, uh, the amazing generosity uh, from a family, uh, the Searles family, allowed us to rent this space rent-free for two years. Mm. Uh, this space didn't look like this. <laughs> and so we as a community worked together to build this out. Mm. The people of the church built this church. Mm. And so I keep this hammer in my office as a reminder to me of what God can do when we give our hearts and our gifts and our resources back to him. And so this hammer, while it probably cost a couple of dollars at Home Depot, this is a sacred piece for me. It is an altar of God's faithfulness. Uh, this saw, I was into tools for a while. Uh, this saw uh, is also on that same shelf. And uh, this is from our first anniversary, our one-year anniversary, November 7th, 2011. Uh, and on here, we wrote, um, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus. It comes from the story in Mark 2, where a bunch of followers of Jesus had a friend that needed to be healed, and they wanted to get this friend in to see Jesus, and there were so many people there that they didn't know what to do, so they literally said, okay, somebody grab a ladder, somebody grab a saw, let's cut a hole in the roof and we'll lower him down, then Jesus will notice him. And I have this saw, and I gave it to a bunch of the people that were a part of building this church in the beginning. I have this saw as a reminder to me that God has called us. He has called us to make openings for people to experience the transformational love of Jesus. Mm -hmm. That if necessary, the people of God should grab a ladder, grab mm -hmm. a saw, and lower people down mm -hmm. so that they can meet Jesus. And this saw, again, probably cost about $5 at Home Depot, but this saw is sacred to me. Mm -hmm. It is a reminder of what God has done in this church. Mm. It's a stone. It's an altar of remembrance. Uh, this jar sits in my office, and it is a jar of mustard seeds. And earlier this year, uh, there, was, there were some things that were going on where God was so clearly calling us as a church to take some big, big, big steps of faith. We needed not just one mustard seed. We needed a lot. <laughs> and so I gathered a few people in a living room um, and said, Will you pray big, bold prayers with me for God to move in this church? And I handed each one of them a jar of mustard seeds as a reminder of what Jesus taught in the scriptures when he said, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, just the size of a mustard seed, you can say to that mountain, move, and that mountain will move. 
And so this jar of mustard seeds, while it just looks like a, a, a normal jar with some seeds in it, this is sacred to me. Mm. It is a reminder of how God has moved in this church. And as, as Jarrett mentioned, you know, in our calendar, we, we celebrate Thanksgiving. It's this month, and, and it's in the name, Thanksgiving. Mm. And, and maybe you as a family can just grab a, a jar in your home, and, and each day you can start to write down things of how God has been good and, and what you're thankful for. And you yourself, just like Joshua, can start to build an altar of God's faithfulness in your life. This is what we are called to do as people that put their trust in God to make altars of remembrance of his faithfulness. Can you imagine what that would look like in, for your family or, or for your roommates? Or maybe even at work, you know, you have this little jar where you just, as you think of things that God has done, and you can step back and you have no, nothing else to say other than only God, you write that down. And you put that in there and you say, God, I'm not going to forget. I'm going to remember and I'm going to respond. Can you imagine how that might change the tone of your home? Mm. How that might change the tone of some of your conversations? When you look at your circumstances and they may not be all that you want or how you'd imagine, but you know what? But you know what? God is faithful. Look what God has done. Look what God has done. And while he may not be doing everything I want him to do, he has always given and always provided way more than I could ever need or ever hope or imagine. That's who God is. And little acts like this that you can do, a little jar and some strips of paper can become like this altar of remembrance for you. I wonder if in your life this year, there's not a way that you've seen God provide for you, maybe with a job. You've been praying and praying and praying and praying for a job. Someone in the middle of the service came up as we were having a time of worship, Jeannie and I, and said, I got a job two days ago. And they've been praying for a job. And we just go, only God, praise God. I think of my friend Tim who's been in my small group for the last year and a half. And he's just been praying and praying. He's, oh man, I want, I want so bad to be a police officer here in the city. And it's just been a long, drawn out process. And about a month ago, he finally got accepted into the academy. And what's so cool is God has brought him to this church and he has grown over the last year and a half. He's gonna be a block away at the police academy every day training. And that's so cool. You look at that and you say, only God, only God, God is so good. And I wonder if in your life there's stories like that where you could just stop even right now and go, yep, this last year or this last week, God provided for me. And maybe it was as simple as God helped me pay off a debt. There's a couple in our church that from the day they got engaged, they began working to pay off their debt. And two weeks ago came up to me with joy in their eyes and said, we did it. We paid off all of our student loans. We paid off our debt. We are living financially free. Only God. And so you and I need to remember and we need to respond to God at those things. I wonder if there's maybe something in your life physically or in your health where you've seen God heal you or maybe emotionally heal you, uh, something you've been carrying with you for a long time. And this last year, you've seen God heal you. You need to mark that moment. It's important for you. As significant as it may have seemed in the moment, guess what? You're just like me. You're going to forget. And so we need to mark that and be reminded and respond to God. I think of our friends Joe and Jessica who have been a part of this church, and we as a church have prayed and prayed and prayed for her healing from cancer. And we've seen God heal her, and then we've seen the cancer come back. And so we're praying now and seeing God heal her again. We are going to only God because he is the one who has the only power that can actually heal her. That's what we believe. And so when we see God move, and even when we don't, we still say, God, we believe you're faithful. We believe you can. I wonder if there's places in your life where you've experienced healing. That you just need to say, God, you did this. You carried me through. Yeah. 
I wonder if in your life there are places where you've seen growth, like we talked about, celebration being the secret weapon of people of faith, where you can stop and say, I am not the same person I was a year ago. And really one of the best ways to get an indicator on this is talk to the people who are around you and know you and love you the most. They'll tell you the truth. And they'll tell you, you're not the same. Hmm. A year ago at this time, you would not have responded to these circumstances this way. A year ago at this time, you were so impatient and your response to everything was a short, anger-filled answer or cynical or skeptical or sarcastic remark. God's grown you. You need to mark that. You need to make that a new normal for your life. Maybe this year you entered into a relationship with Jesus. You started a relationship with him. You need to not forget that. You need to remind yourself often of what your life was before God and what is becoming in him. I think of my friend Joey, who we've prayed for for years. His name is actually written on these pillars. That pillar actually right back there. On these pillars are written prayers, are written moments where we've marked and said, only God, only God. His name was written and prayed for for years that God would soften his heart and that he would trust God to begin a relationship with him. And to just a year ago, just under a year ago, to be able to be with him the morning, he said, enough's enough. And in tears said, I want to give my life over fully to God. And to walk with him, my friend Mark and I walked with him back to the prayer hall and in tears to pray to begin, God, I surrender my life to you and I offer it all to you. And for him to enter into a relationship with God, this is a significant moment. And I remember what Joey did in that moment. He took a card in our prayer hall and wrote in giant all caps letter, Joey 2.0 and nailed it to the cross. And I thought, yes, yes, we need to mark these moments. And so maybe that's happened for you. Baptism is one of those moments that we mark. And I just want to say a quick plug. If you have entered into a relationship with Jesus and have yet to go public with that inward transformation, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? It's not going to get any warmer. So don't give up on Lake Michigan (laughs) for a while. But next weekend, we're going to have the waters of baptism here in our room. We want to baptize you. We want to mark a moment with you that says, God has changed my life. You can sign up today. I don't want you to miss a moment to say, God has been good, and I need to remind myself so that I can set a new normal of celebration and growth in my life. Yeah, and it's so evident that God is at work in our individual lives, and we can see it. We can see how he is moving and what he's doing, and and it's evident to see that he's at work in this church too, isn't it? I mean, it's so evident his hand of faithfulness is on this church. And, you know, what's amazing is is this time last year, do you know that we have grown 64% more than what we were last year? That's unbelievable. In one year's time, what God has done. This, This last year, just over this last year of time, over 600 people. 600 people have decided, I want to serve. I don't want to just go to church. I want to be the church. Mm. Over 600 people have rolled up their sleeves and said, I want to be a volunteer. I I want to be a part of what God is doing here. At our back to school bash, we had over 400 people serving. That's amazing. That is only God that Mm. those things could happen. As Kenya Sadler said, Brown was spared from being shut down and students are thriving Mm -hmm. at that school. That's an only God story in our church. Just this year, just this year, 51 people have been baptized. Wow. It's amazing. It's amazing. Mm. That is 
only God. This time last year, many of you may remember this, but we were getting to the end of our, our two years of rent-free. We were given this, this space and, and an amazing gift of, of rent, uh, rent-free for two years from the Searles family. And we were, we were coming to the end of those two years, and we started praying big and bold prayers, and God led us to be able to purchase this building. And we closed in last year's calendar year in mm. December. That's an only God story because now Soul City Church will always be on the corner of Adams and Racine. Mm. This is our permanent home. Well, well, soon after that, as, as we were able to close on that building, we blew out the walls and went both ways so that we could get, you know, 60% more seats here in this space and, and look around at what happened. Mm. It filled up. <laughs> it filled up. And so a bunch of us started praying and started saying, okay, God, are you calling us to do something more? Are, are you asking us to expand and to pray and to dream and to, to think even bigger? Well, at the time that we bought the building, the rest of the, the block was sold off to developers. And so we decided, well, real estate says that everything's always for sale, right? So let's just go to the developers and see if we can buy the land right next to our building. And so earlier in 2013, we started praying and we started asking and we were able to put together a contract for 24,000 square feet of land, raw mm. land, right next to our building. And mm. when I tell you that that was an act of faith, friends, it was an act of faith to step, to step forward and to put a contract on that space. And over the next months that, that followed, we prayed and we had setbacks and we prayed some more and we had some more setbacks. And through that time, a group of people came together and said, we believe in what God is doing in this church. And while Soul City Church might not be financially ready to buy that land, we're going to form a separate LLC and a bunch of kingdom-minded investors bought that land for Soul City Church, Amen. and they are holding it for us. Mm. It's like a spiritual layaway program. <laughs> <laughs> and so you can see up here uh, in this slide, the land right next to us, right up to that fence. That land has been purchased for Soul City Church so that this story can always prevail and continue and grow. Friends, that is only God. That is only God that that could happen. And it is so evident how he is at work and is moving in this church. And we are so thrilled, so thrilled that you are a part of the story. You know, one of the things that we want to be known as as a church, one of the things we want to be actually found guilty of as a church, is we want to be found guilty of gratitude. Mm. We want to be found guilty of gratitude. We want people to look at us and say, they're just so doggone thankful. <laughs> they're just so grateful. They keep giving all the credit to God. And listen, all of those things, we all work really hard on those things. We're tired. <laughs> we, it, was a hard, it was a big year last year. We worked hard for God because we wanted to do the very best we could with what God entrusted us. But there's no way we could have done that on our own. Yeah. Only God. We want to be found guilty of being grateful. We want to be the kind of people that when people talk about you, they go, I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is about him. I don't know what it is about her. They're just so grateful. They keep thanking God and they're genuine and they're sincere about it. I'm telling you, celebration is the secret weapon of people of faith. It's the way that you transform your circumstances. 
and mark where God is at work, even when you may not see it in the moment, so that you can remember it when you're prone to forget. So we want to take a moment right now and actually respond. We want to actually build our own little altar of remembrance. And so under your seat, there is a little stone. We could not get the boulder size that Joshua 4 talked about, but there's a Sharpie. Would you grab that? And a little stone, a little river rock. We want to have a moment for us to remember and to respond. I want to ask you to grab a stone and grab a pen. And as I'm talking right now, I want you to think back over this last year and reflect on any places or any moments or any times where you saw God move. Maybe for you, there, there's a, a phrase that you write down that only you and God know, where you think about that season of your life or that time in your life this last year, where God carried you through, God brought you through, God provided for you, God healed you, and maybe that's just a secret word between you and God, but you need to write it down to remember and respond to him right now. Maybe for you, it's a date. There was a specific date. Maybe it's when you got married. Maybe it's when you found out you were pregnant or you had a kid. You go, man, only God could have provided this for me. And instead of sort of taking the credit or forgetting that God is faithful, I'm going to mark it down. And so you need to write a date, nice and big and bold, on this stone. Maybe for you, it's a name. A name of someone in your life, a relationship that was restored. A person that you saw transform, come to life, be brought to life in Jesus, and you think about what God has done. Maybe it's the name of your kids, and you stop and you go, only God could have brought these kids through, and only God could have grown them up. In our family, in our home, God, well, I want to give you credit. I don't want to take the credit. I don't want to forget your faithfulness. And so you need to write their name on this stone. What are the only God moments for you this last year? Maybe you just need to fill this whole rock up. You just need to stop and go everything you can think of. You're going to write on every little inch inside of this rock because if you really stop and think about it, you become that much more aware of God's goodness and greatness in your life. And it's time to give him glory for it. Mm -hmm. We want to be the kind of people who are found guilty of gratitude yeah. and who people say they keep giving God all the credit and all the glory. And so I'm going to ask you to write this down. And in a moment, you're going to come to the front and there's a station in the back as well. And we're going to build little altars of remembrance. Mm. We're going to do what Joshua did in Joshua 4. We're going to say, this is a, this is a moment. This three-year anniversary is a moment. Every moment's a moment where you can stop and say, God has been faithful. God has been good. And we're going to mark it. And so in a moment, when we're done here and I pray, we're going to come forward and lay down these stones in the altars in front. And if you're in the back half of the room, you can go straight to the back and lay it on that altar. And we're going to build our own soul city stones of remembrance altar to give glory and honor only to God. And, you know, as you're writing, I'm sure you've heard us say now, like hundreds of times, that this is about only God. This is an only God story. And I am confident, I am confident that only God could write a story this good, this amazing. And some of you, you've got an inner amen and an inner hallelujah in you. And so over these next few moments, I'm going to ask you to let that inner amen and that inner hallelujah come forth and to, and to let it come out. Because here's what we're celebrating, friends. Here's what we're celebrating. Only God only God is a God that is always sincere and perpetually strong. Only God is that. Amen. Only God is impartial with his kindness and extravagant with his mercy. Amen. Do you know this God? 
Only God never breaks his promises. His goodness is limitless. His word is enough and his grace is sufficient. Would you like to know this God? Mm. Only God is indescribable, incomprehensible, irresistible, all the while remaining invincible. This is our God. Amen. Only God is supreme and eternal. Only God is the King of kings, the King of glory. He is the King of heaven and the Lord of lords. Only God is those things. Only God is the beginning and the end, the light that casts out all darkness and the Prince of peace. Only God is the mighty counselor, the savior of the world, the one who heals. Do you know this God? Do you know this God? Because only God, only God is the one that is going to reach this city and reach this world through his church, Mm. through this church, with the transformational love of Jesus so that thousands and thousands and thousands of people will come to know him and be transformed by his love. Only God has Mm. been and always will be. That is who our God is is and let's celebrate amen. let's celebrate that amen. god amen so let's pray that's what i'm talking about let's pray and here's what we're going to do when i say amen that's your chance to celebrate this god and i'm going to ask you to come forward to these altars in the front or to go to the one in the back and as you lay your stone down maybe the words you need to say to god are only you god only you god hey and again I, you may be in a place where you're trying to investigate and figure out who god is and it feels weird for you to say only god then all you need to say is thank you he'll know what to do with it he knows where it goes so all you need to say is thank you thank you as you lay that stone down let's let this be a moment of worship and celebration as we remember and respond to our god so let's pray together when i say amen you come to these altars and you have a moment with your god let's pray god thank you so much for who you are and what you've done. God, thank you that you are a God who never fails, that you are a God who never gives up on us, that you are a God who has always been faithful. Even when we haven't been aware of it, you have not ceased in your faithfulness. God, your greatness is good and your goodness is great. And so we want to give you glory for all of that. We want our lives to be like stones of remembrance. We want our lives to be like stones on an altar that are found guilty of gratitude and say again and again and again and again, only God, only God, only God. So help us now to even give you the credit and the glory and the honor. Stir in our hearts even more things, God, even as we're walking to lay these down on the altar, more places in our life where we need to say glory to God, only God. Thank you, God. It's in your name that we pray and we respond and we sing. Amen.